to see me put on the really emotionally heavy videos just before I come up and preach, so I'm like <laughs> totally wrecked when I get up there. <laughs> I remember just coming up several times where there have just been these amazing testimonies that I come up going, oh my goodness, I'm just like on the inside drowning in tears. So uh, yeah, if, mum, if you're listening to this later on, then uh, happy Mother's Day to you. I, I did call her, don't worry, but I thought I'd give her a shout out as well. It's not like how I communicate with my mum through podcasts. <laughs> Uh, last weekend, I was uh, in Inverness. I had the awesome privilege to go and preach down in Inverness. Uh, I kicked off the Life Hack series down there. So while you were having it kicked off with Pastor Kevin, they had it kicked off in uh, Inverness with me. And I had an absolute blast. I'm actually originally from Inverness. I was born there. I lived there until I was the age of five. And I was sort of standing in front, and I, I sort of opened up with this because it seemed like a way to sort of try and make friends with the, uh, the congregation. <laughs> and I said to them, because I could see that it was kind of quite a cosmopolitan uh, congregation, I said, oh, how many of you guys are from Inverness? And not a single <laughs> hand went in the air. Not a single one of them, even the pastors, even anyone. Not, no, none of them had been from Inverness. I was the most Invernesian person in the room. <laughs> I just thought it was outrageous, really. But, uh, it was really great. I had an, absolutely, an absolute blast. And after the service, uh, Pastor Owen took me and showed me their new building. Where, they, where they're meeting currently uh, in a hotel is just a couple of steps away from uh, the building that they've got, the, the, the building that they've purchased. It's sort of an old Church of Scotland building. And it was awesome. I went inside there, and it just it, it looked like just there was I was so excited on the inside like it's it's still it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mess it needs a bit cleaned up it needs a bit sort of work done on it and things like that but you could just it was dripping in potential like it was so exciting to be there and I absolutely encourage you if you ever get the opportunity to go up to Inverness and and do anything I know that over the next year we're going to be doing all sorts of stuff in tandem with them that this partnership as as churches together as we work together it's been such a blessing I know doing fuel that just the the work that passed our uh, Owen does on, 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 the, on the work, on the studies that we do each week is an absolute blessing to me and I know it's an absolute blessing to many of you guys here every single week as, as he sort of uh, is able to sort of put those studies together and just I was so blessed when I went to their church I, I, it has an organ in it like I, it's hidden away in a room it was like the last room he took me it was like here's the piece de resistance we have an organ it was brilliant <laughs> I absolutely loved it it, it was uh, really excellent and it's amazing because where their church is there's like six or seven churches within about two minutes walk of each other it's like it's like church central down there it really is it's like mobile phone shops they put them close together just so that they bring all the punters at once it's like put all the churches together gonna get saved somewhere it was awesome I absolutely loved it Loved it, and I um, I got to stay with them over the on the Saturday night. I went up on Saturday night and then went back to theirs on uh, Sunday afternoon. Had some had a delicious meal with them, and just I think anyone who spends any time with them and their family just begins to realise what an awesome family they are. They've got it's Owen and Kate, and they've got uh, six children, five girls and, and a boy, and they're just the best kids ever. In fact, they're so good they make you feel guilty about your own parenting <laughs> skills. <laughs> Yeah, if any of you guys are a member of the old wristbands we used to have, uh, what well, we have, I never had one, but I'm sure some of you guys did, but uh, the What Would Jesus Do uh, bracelets. I sort of have this now in parenting problems. What would Owen and Kate do? <laughs> <laughs> it's like there was a point where they said, right, we're finished the meal, right? And they did all these different chores, chores. some chores need done here, some chores need done there. Oh, 
Oh, and said, oh yes, uh, we need the car hoovered. Literally, he had children with his hands in the air. Can I do it, Dad? Can I do it? I'm like, are you mad? I can't even get my kids to dress themselves. <laughs> I have to offer them stars and presents and all sorts of things. And they're, they're jockeying for position to hoover his car. My goodness, he has got it. Yeah, I'm sure it didn't just happen like that. Uh, so... Yeah, so they're, they're just absolutely awesome. But as I said, when I went up there, uh, I went to kick off the, the new Life Hack series, and I shall be continuing the Life Hack series uh, tonight. And one of the things that we've been kind of looking into is, is looking at the Bible and how it has just tremendous wisdom, tremendous wisdom to hack life's more tricky problems. That's, that's what it is. You know, we have, a, we, have a, we have a word from God that is for today, that is for the contemporary, that is for right now. It might have been written 2,000 years ago, but there are issues in our lives this day that there are answers to in there. See, we, we often characterize, uh, and I've often heard it said that the Bible is like a manual. Like, a, like, you know, those old Haynes car manuals. Uh, a car manual. You know, if you have a problem with your car, you go and look in a Haynes manual. If you have a problem in your life, then you just go and look in the Bible. But I think that undersells the Bible so much. The Bible isn't just a manual for life. It is actually the axis and origin of life. Just everything of God. See, a, it's a source of life. That's what the Bible is. It's God's living word. Not, it's God's living word. It's alive and it breathes every single day. There's something so exciting about the fact you can read the Bible. Every, you can read the Bible every year. And every year that you read it, they will, it will speak new stuff. You will have new springs of revelation in it. See, because it is not a book about life. But it is a book of life. Yes. That is what the Bible is. not about life. It's not like it was written and, and now you can read about life because it was written by this great author. No, it is of life. Life springs forth. It actually says in John 1 verse 4, it says, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. See, his words, they illuminate our lives. They bring light into our lives. It, and in that light, it removes confusion. It removes confusion and it establishes peace. That's what his word does. It illuminates our lives. It says in Psalms 119, verse 105, it says, Your lamp, sorry, it doesn't say your lamp. It says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That is awesome. That is, his word is light. It brings light around your life. See, we're always sort of consider this 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 hack, you know, it's a contemporary term, life hack. This idea that we can find ways, shortcuts in our lives. We can find ways to sort of short circuit the system. And I, I have to be honest, I've always considered myself a bit of a shortcut artist. That's sort of something I've prepared myself. I actually did, around about Christmas time, I did a personality profile. And within it, it listed a tendency of mine to identify efficiencies which is another way of like identifying shortcuts. You say cool, but in actual fact, I've looked back over my life and realized there have been many times where I have done that, much to my detriment. Uh, one of the earliest memories I had of, of trying to hack the system was when I was a kid, and I went to school, and we were playing, it was playtime, and we were playing like a, a TIG game, you know, I had to take somebody and run after them. And this would have been in, it was in primary one. 
but we had introduced this sort of weird uh, part of the game where we had a water fountain that was just inside the, the front door of the school. And if you got to the water fountain, had a drink of water, it meant you were essentially invin invincible. But that then meant that all the kids did was go and drink the water, and then when you went and take them, they said, well, I'm invincible. I just drank from the, the fountain of life. And uh, I was quite a small kid, unsurprisingly. And, <laughs> and so therefore, my legs were shorter, and so I didn't run as fast. So when I finally got hold of somebody, and they said to me, sorry, mate, I'm invincible, then that was quite frustrating. So I thought to myself, and only in the mind of a five-year-old, I thought, well, how do I, how do I stop this? And so I went in to where the, the water fountain was, and it was actually, it was just in the entranceway to the toilets. And so I grabbed a piece of this bright, luminous pink soap that lived in all toilets, uh, school toilets. Yeah. And I thought, you know what I need to do is, I, and I raked it down this water fountain so that nobody could drink the water anymore so they would taste of soap and I raked it all over it and then, and then the kids would go oh no it tastes of soap anyway I ended up in the vice principals uh, for wrecking the water fountain and I remember being like really scared obviously because I was only in primary one and here I was visiting the, the vice principal but I also remember thinking but, but I was but they were, they were always getting invincible. I was trying to win the game. Like, it seemed kind of legitimate. It seemed like quite a reasonable thing to have done. Now, obviously, now it doesn't seem like a reasonable thing to have done. But I was trying to hack the system. I was trying to win. That's, you know, there's <laughs> been one or two jokes over the, over the years about my uh, willingness or willingness to ditch the rules in order to win. Well, that's where it started. There's another one uh, which happened just a few years ago, and uh, it was my youngest brother was getting married. And we, he was getting married in Dundee, and we had, uh, it was me and Laura, and we had had uh, Nathan, who's our eldest of three, and he was only, he would have been yes, less than a year old. He's laughing because he remembers it. <laughs> but we were staying at a friend's house, and when we were in this friend's house, uh, it was a friend of a friend's house, actually, so we didn't really know the people that well. And they gave us a key uh, to get in and out. And I was one of my brother's groomsmen. So I needed at some point to shoot off up to where my parents lived just to get ready with him. And my wife, Laura, was going to go to her sister's house, who was just around the corner. And her sister was going to just, I think, do her hair or something like that. And she was going to take Nathan, and then she was going to come back to the, the house and get her sort of dress on and get all the stuff that Nathan needed. I keep wanting to say Ben because he's still a baby, but it was Nathan, and, and go to the church. Anyway, so I thought, where do I hide the key? Now, the normal thing to do, with most normal people, you would think, I'll just hide it under, like, a plant pot or something like that. But I thought, well, that'll mean Laura will have to bend down, and, and you know, what if, I'll have to explain which one, which plant pot, because, you know, there might be five of them. So I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll hide it in the letterbox so like at the letterbox in the front door it had like a little sort of ledge in the middle in, bet in between basically where the door was I thought I'll put it there no one would ever think who would ever think to look for a key in a letterbox nobody would ever think to look for a key in a letterbox that's why it was such a genius idea but I get a phone call about half an hour later and Laura's saying James where did you put the, the key I thought you said it was in the letterbox and I said it is in the letterbox. Have you not looked? And she said, yes. All I can see sticking out is some envelopes. <laughs> but it's a Saturday. The post doesn't come on a Saturday, does it? Postman had come along, just popped 
all of them through. And so Laura had to go back to her sister's, borrow a dress that I think was about two sizes too big for her. <laughs> we didn't have anything for, Na uh, for Nathan, who was, you know, a little baby and needed to eat and needed stuff to be fed from. And all. We didn't have any of that stuff anyway. So for the rest of that wedding, I had eyes just burning. <laughs> 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 to say Laura was furious, and, you know, rightly so, <laughs> would be an understatement. <laughs> It was terrible. There was a point where my brother had to say to me, James, I feel really bad for you, but I've heard enough of it. I'm getting married today. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> See, I have, I have tried many hacks in my life. I've tried many sort of shortcuts. But the reality is that my path has always been a bit flawed. There's always been a flaw in my path. But God has a path that has no flaws in it whatsoever. It says in Psalms 25 four to five. It says, show me the right path. O Lord, point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. And I want to read you another verse to, to sort of go hand in hand with that. It says in Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, it says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. And so I want to talk tonight. My message tonight is God gives us every word of wisdom that we need to hack life's challenges. He gives us absolutely everything to resolve all of the complex issues within our lives. But why does it lie along a road that is so seldom chosen? And that's what I want to talk about tonight. See, the, the Bible has a lot to say, uh, a lot of wisdom to dispel, and, and a lot of it is incredibly, maybe, maybe obvious, but a lot of the time it isn't so obvious. And, and we might find that some of the revelation that we get from it only comes out when we read it and we read it again, and we read it again, and the more we read it, the more we begin to sort of take in what God is saying. And why? Why is that? Why, when we first read it, do we not suddenly get exactly what God's saying? And I, I think one of the reasons is because often we see what we want to see in the Bible. <coughs> see, if you ever meet, if you're a young person maybe, or maybe not even necessarily a young person, but you maybe meet a girl... Or you meet a boy, and you really like them. They're really nice, they're really cool. You say all sorts of funny things, and they're really pretty or handsome. <laughs> see, if you see that person, and, and you begin to sort of build in yourself, oh, I really like this person. Don't you find a little bit that when you speak to them, everything they say just has this, just has this tremendous meaning. And, and, and it seems so eternal and lifelong. And you go away to your friends and say, she said this, but I think she means this. And, and he said this, and I think he means this. And, and, and reality is that they were just saying this or that. But we, we go into it with so much, so much expectation. We go into it like with already our minds turned a certain way. So whatever they say we interpret it in a certain way. See, bias shades our perspective. And interpretation is a reflection of our own experience. When we read the Bible, where we've come from often dictates a little bit how we read it and how we understand it. But you see, God's word isn't 
a reference to the familiar. It isn't a reference. It's enlightenment. It is enlightenment. It takes us somewhere new. It expands our our understanding. It doesn't recycle it. It's not recycled understanding. It's new. It's like you're going to new horizons. It takes you in your mind and in yourself to places you have not been. You cannot expect that what God knows is an extension of what you already know. No, it is broad new horizons. He is taking you to a place that your mind has never even entertained. It says in Psalms 36 verse 9, it says, For you are the fountain of life, the light of by which we see. Well, it's the light by which we see. When I was, uh, when I was in the Scouts, yes, I was in the Scouts. Uh, I was actually in the Cub Beaver Scouts and Venture Scouts, but we won't go too much into that. <laughs> but when I was in the Scouts, we used to play this game, uh, and it was called the shoe game. It had very little to do with shoes. And we would take our shoes off, and we'd place them in the middle of the hall. And then the Scout leaders would turn off the light and shut the door. And they'd come back in about five minutes later. And the aim of the game was to go and find your shoes in the dark. The reality of the game was you beat the living daylights out of absolutely everyone around you. You just went and punched anyone. You, you couldn't really see anything. There was this little sort of heat grid up in the corner, but it was pitch black. And so it didn't matter if they're big, small, whatever. Ah, just punch them. It was excellent. And you'd suddenly, suddenly after, like two, after the riot had gone on long enough, I mean, it was pandemonium. It was utter chaos. And they would turn the light on, and you'd see your hand around someone's throat, and you're like, oh. They're like, I thought you were my friend. It's like, well, you know, it's the rule of the game. You know? <laughs> it was chaos, utter chaos. And, and, and that's why it was our favorite game. <laughs> but <laughs> adversity, adversity disorientates us. Isn't that true? When adversity hits... It, it just it disorientates it disorientates us it takes us out of whatever way that we were going whatever way our mind was working and it just creates pandemonium all around us and and we need that crack of light we need that light to come through to to guide us home to guide us to a normality we need that light because that light gives us a hope and an optimism for something in the future, something to lead towards. In Psalms 25.5, which is what I read earlier, it says, all day long, I put my hope in you. I put my hope in you. And because he is our covering, it's he is the one in whom we depend upon. He is the one that we come before and come to and know that he will not forsake us. I had a, I had, I have a friend, I have a friend at work uh, who, he came, came up to me and, and, and about, I don't know, six months ago, and, and was like, oh, he just recognized, he was like, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I'm a Christian, are you a Christian? And he was, and he actually, he goes to uh, uh, Pastor Neil Cameron's church up in Peterhead, and he was a great guy, an absolutely wonderful man, who would just, every time I would see him, we'd just sort of have a little chat about, and he would introduce me to other Christians in my workplace. But last week, uh, well, actually earlier than last week, but essentially last week, he was made redundant. And, uh, and it is no longer at my workplace, which was, when he told me that, I was like, oh my goodness, that's, that's terrible. But his response to me was, when one door shuts, a garage door opens. Like, that's, how can somebody, that be there in adversity, 
that be their first response? It's like he had one of life's challenges absolutely hacked. You know, there was a, I was so proud to hear him say that because he just, his confidence, just a confident assurance. You know what? God has got this. God hasn't forgotten about me. God hasn't forsaken me. Even in adversity, I know that God might be closing this door, but it's just to open up something even bigger and something even newer. And that, was, that, that, that is how God operates in our life, is that adversity will hit. Adversity will disorientate. But we always need to see that light. We always need to be looking for that light and knowing that light is guiding us into a new day. See, great responses elevate the quality of our decisions. Isn't that true? Because it puts you on the right footing. You're not scrambling to try and get back. But you are actually sitting already on the, on the right place. See, wisdom and understanding is, is, is what enables us to do that. It says actually in Psalms 25.5, which is what I read earlier, lead me by your truth and teach me. See, are you ever concerned that the circumstances of your life are sometimes maybe a little bit too complex? too complex for maybe God to comprehend. Maybe the, the nuances of the, de- uh, of the details would be, God wouldn't understand them because they're 21st century problems. You know, do, we ever, do we ever have that sort of idea that you know, obviously God's still stuck back 2,000 years ago? Like, but I, you, know, you know, sometimes we think the complexity of, of, of a situation might be too difficult probably for us to explain. So how, could, how would God necessarily be able to deal with those details? I, I, and, and when I think about that, I think about Solomon, who is characterized as being you know, the wisest man. When, when God asked him, what, what can I give you? I would give you anything. He said, I ask for wisdom. And as a result, was just he was filled with wisdom. Just wisdom just flowed out of him. And he was so prosperous uh, and so knowledgeable and, 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 and just filled with, just showed how just working under God's understanding can bless a life. But he was dealt with many complex problems. And I think one of the most complex ones he ever had to deal with was when these two mothers came to him. These two mothers came to him with one baby. And they said, look, we both think this baby's ours. We both, we, uh, we both had a baby each, but one of the babies is dead and one of them is alive. And we both think this one's ours. And so they had to go and see the king and the king had to decide. I mean, before, for any of you who know what, the, uh, what ha- actually happens, think about that in itself that two mothers come to you and say, hey, you have to decide which one, of this, which one of us gets this baby. That's a complex issue. I mean, he just has to listen to what they say. There's great gravity in that decision. I'm going to read you the, the passage where, where he sort of, he gives them his answer. It says in 1 Kings 3, 23 to 28, it says, then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours, and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give one half to one woman and one half to the other. Then the woman, who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much, cried out, oh no, my lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants, to, uh, wants uh, him to live, for she is the mother. When, the, uh, when all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom of God, uh, the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. I mean, it looks totally genius in hindsight, doesn't it? Of course, just do that, and whichever mum wants him to live. 
but he had to have the confidence to listen to God. Like that wisdom was something that God put inside him and he had to absolutely trust God that that was the right thing to say because the downside of that decision was pretty terrible. Like that was pretty terrible, wasn't it? I mean, I don't think that was the sort of advice he was dispelling on a weekly basis. I don't think they were cutting up like 10 babies a week or anything like that. I think it was like, this was a one-time deal. Uh, that was, but, but he listened to that wisdom. Whatever God put on the inside of him, <coughs> he went with it because he knew what God was saying was truth. And God, even though he didn't necessarily know how it was going to pan out, he knew that God knew how it was going to pan out. See, we so often substitute wisdom for what we call common sense. We so, so often just we rely on stereotypes or cliches or rule of thumb and we overlook the, the details that are weaved into circumstances. We, we look at just those sort of common sense approaches and, and we don't allow God to, to really move in those moments. We don't allow God to really have an influence upon those moments because we think we already know. We think we already know conventional wisdom versus supernatural wisdom. Why would we accept anything less? Why would we accept anything less than the absolute supernatural God-given wisdom that he has for us? I, I just, I'm going to be closing pretty shortly, but I, I just want to share something from my own, uh, my own life. Uh, about a year ago, or about a year and a half ago, actually, I, uh, I'd left the job. Uh, and I, I'd been really unhappy in this job. And been various reasons I, I'd been unhappy in the job. Uh, but I, I'd sort of got out of there. I'd had, uh, the, the person I was working for uh, and didn't, didn't, didn't get on with me very well. And, and, and it was just, it was an awkward situation. And I in leaving the job, but up until that point that I left, I, I was really searching God for how to resolve it. I, I really wanted to find the right thing to do because I felt there was a, such importance in doing the right thing and being honorable in that. And, and I remember speaking to family and, and friends and I was given loads of advice and the advice was really good. Like it was very uh, reasonable advice you know, about you know, maybe go and take it up with this person or, or you know, maybe you should go and speak to your boss, boss and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was all very sensible advice. But I, I just knew on the inside that that wasn't what God was leading me to do in this situation. It was so difficult. So I just sort of kept quiet and I just sort of endured and I just kept honoring as much as I possibly could. And after a, a wee season, another company came along and offered me a job and it just, it all worked out perfectly. I, when, when I left, it didn't cause any bad ripples or anything. In fact, I left on a really good note of what was a really difficult situation. Anyway, so I spent nine months uh, doing some work for another company and then it looked like uh, they, were gonna, they were keen to sort of move me to another place. Now, the, my boss's boss of the company that I'd left, now when I'd left, even though my boss's boss had been very nice to me and said, oh, you know, we'd love to get you back sometime in the future. And I had said, oh, that would be wonderful. In the inside, I was thinking, not in a million years. I am so glad to be out of here. Anyway, so like nine months later, he calls me up and says, do you want to go for lunch? And we went for lunch and he said, look, I'd really love you to come back. And I was like, okay, well, I was thinking about it, uh, thinking about, you know, another job. He, but essentially what he offered me was, uh, I moved back to a company I'd been deeply unhappy with. Uh, at probably about half the pay that I was currently on and for what was a pretty considerable demotion. And so I mentioned this to some people. Most people thought I was absolutely insane for even entertaining the idea. But 
there was something in it that I just felt God was behind. And so it kind of tickled me a little bit that it seemed so totally ridiculous that I would accept what would seem such a nuts job to take up. But I knew God was in it somehow. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll absolutely do this. I, I, I'll do this. And it seemed like the right thing to do. Anyway, today is a different matter altogether. Within about a few weeks of me being in the job, I actually got like a 40% pay increase. Like straight in the door, which is ridiculous. When would that ever happen? Uh, I also have a, a position where, uh, where I was, when I, I used to work as a, as a contractor, that role now is, is, is nowhere near as secure as it was nine months ago or a, a year ago. It's now totally different landscape. And the job that I'm in now is so secure, and I am absolutely loving it. It, as it just feels like an absolute blessing. And there are people I speak to today who are like, that was such a genius decision, James. How did you come to such a genius decision? I was like, I really thought it was quite a stupid decision, but God said it was a great idea, so I went with it. <laughs> but that was it. It was like, I didn't really know where this path was going, but God absolutely did. Yeah. He knew what was going to happen in my industry. He knew what was going to happen in my career. Yeah. And the great thing was, is I just was like, well, I'll just follow what God says because he kept me right up till now. And I imagine Solomon thought exactly the same thing. He's kept me right up till now. I'll just keep on going with it. Yeah. I'm just going to keep on that path. It doesn't make sense in my wisdom, but my wisdom's just conventional. His wisdom is supernatural. Yeah. His wisdom is supernatural. When Moses brought all the uh, Israelites to the Red Sea, and God was saying to him, yeah, I've brought you all here so that Pharaoh thinks you're trapped. Guess who else thought they were trapped? All of the Israelites. They thought they were trapped too. They were like, God, why have you forsaken us? We'd rather be slaves than dead. But God knew that he was about to open up the Red Seas. Who could have seen that happening? Who knew that God was going to open up the Red Seas? It hadn't been done recently. That was God doing it. It sounded like the Red Seas was opening up over there. When Midian, not Midian, Midian, Gideon, when Gideon took 300 soldiers to fight all of the Midianite army, that seemed like a pretty crazy thing to do. In actual fact, if you read the scriptures, you can realize that actually Gideon was pretty scared. He was pretty afraid of the situation. But who could have known what was actually going to turn out? Who could have known that God had that situation so perfectly wrapped up that he knew the Midianites were going to end up fighting against each other in a blind panic? God knew. Nobody else knew. But he knew the path. Why did he? Because he set it out. Because he is God. He sees the end before we even see the beginning. That is the God that we serve. You know, there are high stakes in our lives. There are absolutely high stakes. They were high stakes. Those were incredibly high stakes. Many lives depended on those things. And you know what? In our lives, there are lives that depend on our situations. And those, they are high stakes. But you know, there are personal tests that Midian... Uh, Midian, goodness me, Gideon and Moses both underwent like serious tests in their own life. But that created a platform where they could see those miracles come forth. He saw those miracles come forth. Minor miracles set the stage for major ones. And every single step along that road, even though it might seem like a difficult one, those minor steps make great leaps, great bounds. See, God has seen the ending before we've seen the start. The the road 
the steps along the road are difficult, but, but they're difficult because we need to lay aside our wisdom and rely on his like absolutely rely that whatever our wisdom is whatever our common sense says in a situation we just rely on him we just come before him and we set it all aside when I was I remember waking up one morning when I was I would have been about 20 and I just finished third year of university and I looked I was looking at my life and I realized that I had just absolutely screwed up the last three or four years of my life. I'd sort of gone to university and I, I had decided that I probably knew a little bit better than my parents did and, and my church did and I was just going to do life whatever way I felt like it. I didn't stop believing in God, I just didn't really honor him with my life very much. I remember waking up this morning just feeling despair on the inside, just an absolute despair. I had been living on my own wisdom for that time. I had been walking my own path for that time. And it was a broad road and there were many people on it. Many people on it. It might be this evening that you might feel a little bit like you're on that broad road. And it isn't a broad road that's bringing you to a place of happiness or contentment or even fulfillment. It's one that seems like it's just on that downward spiral. It isn't going in the right direction. I always felt like some people just kind of learn the hard way. And I, I felt, I think I must have just been one of those people that just learned the hard way. I, I had all of it told to me when I was a kid, but, but I almost, I needed to realize the gravity of the decisions I make and, and almost realizing that when God, God gives us the opportunity to choose, it doesn't force anybody to do anything. But what he also does is whenever you turn around and they're like, goodness me, I've made a mistake of things. When you turn around, he's actually right there the whole time. He's never more than an arm's length away just to pull you back in, to pull you back in. See, the greatest, the absolute greatest life hack of all time is when Jesus died for all mankind. See, because he hacked, he hacked that, that process of of sin and judgment, of, of all the mistakes that mankind had made. That when, when people were born, you were born with sin upon your life. You were born with whatever the sin that just sat upon your, your family. And it was just, you, you, you were born a sinner. But God made a way through Jesus' death to pay the price for all of that. That we can be completely released from that. Completely released. It says... In John 5, verse 26, it says, The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. His Son. He has life-giving power this evening. Life-giving power for every single one of us this evening. And I, I just want to encourage, just, if everyone could just, I'd just like it if everyone would just put their heads down and just shut their eyes. I just want everyone to have space in this moment. Maybe you've come here tonight and you have heard this before and you have heard about Jesus but you know in yourself that you have been walking a path that one isn't bringing you any joy but also you just feel so far away from God and, and tonight just on the inside you're knowing I, I just want to get right with God. 
I just want to get right with God. I just want to turn around and just embrace him. I just want his love to fill my life and take away all of the despair that sits there instead. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never even been to church before. And this is the absolute first time you've ever sat in a congregation. But you know on the inside just that that God is, is tugging on your heart. That just there is something so real in the presence of God that just you want to ask him into your life. To just get rid of all the mistakes and all the... The, the judgment you've put upon yourself, just to, to put that to the side and just to have a new, to start a new path, a path that has life in it, that has fulfillment in it, that has joy in it. If that is you tonight, just while every eye is closed, we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer together. And this is a prayer of just praying to God and, and just asking Him into your life. And whether you're doing this for the hundredth time, or whether you're uh, you're doing this for the first time, but if you mean it, and you really want God to just work upon your heart, and just come into your life, and make that change, then then I encourage it, just when I, we're all going to pray this prayer together, but when you pray it, just make it a personal prayer to God, just between you and Him. So if everyone could repeat after me, Dear God, I ask you into my life, I ask you to take away all of the grime, all of the mistakes, and all of my shame. I pray for your love that would fill my life. I pray for your spirit that would come into me tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. And just while every eye is closed, if if you prayed that prayer tonight and you meant it, and just while every eye is closed, I just encourage you just to put your hand up and just indicate to me. I'm not going to pull anyone in the front. I'm not going to expose anyone. We just we have some books, some, uh, some literature we'd love to give you at the end of the service. But if that's you tonight and you just know in yourself that you just want to make that decision, I encourage you, just pop your hand in the air right now. Just pop your hands. I see those hands. That's awesome. You can put them down, guys. That's awesome. Is there anybody else? Just knows on the inside. They want to make that decision just to receive God. If that's you, just put your hand up right now. It's the best decision we can ever make just to allow God in. I'm going to give one more chance before I close the service. If that's you and you want to receive God into your life, Just put your hand up right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, just I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your wisdom that fills our lives. God, I thank you that you have created a path, a path that is relying upon your wisdom, not ours, and that we can follow you. We just pray for the strength just to lay down our own wisdom and just follow your path. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, that is the end of the service. If you're here with us for the first time, we have an information point over at the back of the service.